Today's episode is sponsored by By Heart, which is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. In our house, we never skim on family time together on the weekends. Instead of racing around crazy, we prioritize time at home, time to relax, time to do fun, crazy things that we wouldn't have ordinarily. And you know who else doesn't skim? By heart. By heart is the only American-made infant formula with globally sourced ingredients to use organic, grass-fed whole milk without a drop of skim. Whole milk is full of healthy fats like naturally occurring MFGM, which play an important role in baby's brain development and growth. Are you curious about ByHeart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com slash podcast with codename Zibby20 for a limited time. Hi, this is Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I'm also the host of Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight, and I'm the editor of the anthology, which you should run out and buy, called Moms Don't Have Time to, a quarantine anthology. All proceeds of that book go to COVID-19 vaccine research. And I'm the editor-in-chief of Moms Don't Have Time to Write, a new publication on Medium, and we're accepting submissions, so please send your personal essays there. And if all that isn't enough, you can follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens, and my website is zibbyowens.com. Okay, now back to this amazing podcast. Phoebe Robinson is the author of Please Don't Sit on My Bed in Your Outside Clothes, Essays. Did you like how I read that? Actor, comedian, producer Phoebe Robinson is best known as the co-creator and co-star of the HBO limited series Two Dope Queens. She's also a New York Times bestselling author of the books You Can't Touch My Hair and Other Things I Still Have to Explain and Everything's Trash, But It's Okay. Additionally, Phoebe has starred in the movies Ibiza or as they say, Ibiza, and What Men Want, and was moderator on Michelle Obama's International Becoming Book Tour. Most recently, Phoebe launched Tiny Reparations, a production company under ABC Signature, whose first project is a talk show entitled Doing the Most with Phoebe Robinson that premiered in April of 2021 on Comedy Central. Her next book that I'm talking about now, Please Don't Sit on My Bed in Your Outside Clothes, is the first essay collection debuting on her newly formed literary imprint, Tiny Reparations Books. Welcome, Phoebe. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss Please Don't Sit on My Bed in Your Outside Clothes collection of essays. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. So tell listeners a little bit about why this collection, like what's in this collection that people need to know about and why did you even write it? Well, you know, when COVID happened, you know, the one thing that sort of was like my way of maintaining normal is I would try and read every single day. And I was just, it was just sort of keeping me uplifted and feeling positive. And the first essay that I wrote for the book is hashtag Corin Bay about quarantining with my boyfriend, who is a tour manager for rock bands. And so we went from, you know, seeing each other like every six weeks to like 15 months of like 24 <laughs> seven interaction. And it was really funny the ways that we sort of like, got on each other's nerves, but also like we're really there for each other. And so when I was just thinking about like, oh, that's a funny thing he did or like, oh, I was really annoying then. I was like, hmm, that could be an essay. And then, you know, just thinking about like I was thinking about my business at the time where I was like, you know, work was sort of drying up in certain areas. And so I was thinking about that a lot. And then George Floyd's murder, I was thinking about that a lot. And I really was just sort of you know, I was inside all day and I had time to think, you know, I was like, I think I could write about 
this time period without it feeling really heavy and sort of kind of like we were all living through it. Like we, we don't need a blow by blow recount, but I wanted to sort of have fun with things and and sort of talk about performative violation, but then also talk about, you know, self-care, which I love, but I'm always just like, I'll just buy another candle. And, yeah. you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, to me, like me started going to therapy during COVID and all these things. I just thought it could be a way for people to laugh, but also maybe see themselves in some way. Like I know a lot of people who also started going to therapy during COVID and, you know, the title comes from my parents who are very strict about cleanliness, which is probably why I was such a slob growing up <laughs> as a teenager, <laughs> but they just had this strict rule. So like when my brother and I would come home from school, they were like, you can't like sit on the furniture or you bed or anything until you change clothes. And that's a thing that has sort of stuck with me as a rule in my own apartment and in my dorm room when I was like the, in my, my late teens, early twenties. And so, yeah, I feel like this book is really perfect for this time period because I think it'll allow people to like sort of laugh and escape but also sort of think about some larger issues as well. Well, I loved your the assortment of essays and how they touched on so many things that by the way can be relatable you know, not during quarantine. Yes yeah. and no, right? You, I mean, immediately your voice is like if there was an essay class, this should be like the example of like how to get your voice on the page because it like jumps off the page. Like even the way you do abbreviations or like, not abbreviate, like when you're like, I don't know, I, I should have thought of an example, like delish, but it would be, I, I don't know, the way you yeah. spell out, the way you say certain words. And it's literally like, I felt like you were in my head. Like I could have been listening to you on an audiobook. Like it was anyway. So I loved, I just love when people's voices are that strong and engaging. So I just wanted to like throw that out there. Thank you <laughs> so much. One yeah. My, my mom had all these weird rules too growing up, you know, she was, oh, it was always about the wet towels. Where are the wet towels? The wet towels can't be here. They can't be there. They can't be anywhere. And I'm like, and now all of a sudden I'm like to my kids, you know, wait, you can't put the wet towel, that carpet stains. And I'm like, yeah. oh, no, I've become my mom, you know. <laughs> but I guess it's inevitable. One yeah. of the essays I found particularly interesting in the book was about your decision not to have children and the pressure that people, women feel to have kids. And there was a passage I wanted to read, if you don't mind. Sure. When, and let's see, what was this called? This chapter was called... It's called, Yes, I Have Free Time Because I Don't Have Kids, which is so ironic because my podcast is Moms Don't Have Time for Anything. So yeah. anyway, but at the end you wrote, I write this so you don't have to feel alone or cry yourself to sleep because you've been conditioned to feel like not being a mother means you are a failure, incapable of love, incapable of making the world better than it was before you enter this. I write this so women can free themselves from the pain and anguish of feeling like they don't know how to be a person. You are a person. You are worthy. You are whole. You are healing while you are whole. You are recovering from every comment, snide remark, and hurtful attack on your womanhood. I see the scars and they are healing. And after the healing is over, you can go on living or start living for the first time the life you have dreamed for yourself. Aww. So good. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, you know, like so many of my friends are parents now and my brother and sister-in-law have two kids and I love kids. I love being an aunt. I love seeing, you know, visiting them, you know, pre-COVID obviously. And I just have always felt that society is always really monitoring the way that women should live. Like, you work, but like, don't work too much. 
be a mom, but also have time for yourself and be the perfect wife, but also like make time for your girlfriend. Like there's just like no perfect way to be a woman in society, you know? And I remember just sort of like feeling like, okay, just because I'm not a mom doesn't mean that I'm not providing value. And then I'm not, you know, trying to help make the world a better place. And I just wanted women who make the choice to not have kids to not feel bad. And I also think that, you know, I've had so many friends who've gone through IVF and like, I think people could just be unintentionally invasive and, you know, sort of like, well, why do you have kids right now? What's going on? And blah, blah, blah. And you just, you truly never know what a woman is going through and why she doesn't have kids. And, you know, I've had friends who've like tried for years and years and years. And it's just like, they don't want that question to be asked because it's just too painful. And so with this essay, I was just sort of like, whether you're, you voluntarily don't want to have kids or you're just like unable to have kids, like that doesn't mean that you're a bad person, you know? And I think it's hard to sort of, I think we're very, everyone's very quick to judge everything. And I think it just really, not that men don't have pressure as well, but I just think it's a uniquely experience for a woman. That's just always, you're just always sort of like self-policing because you just have been trained to be like, am I doing this right? Am I not doing this right? And I just want people to be like, whatever makes the most sense for you in your life is that's the right choice, you know? So true. And there's this added, of course, judgmental piece about this, right? That's Mm -hmm. why people feel Mm -hmm. they can be in your business and asking about these choices, right? I feel like it's this evolutionary thing. Like, well, we all had to do it. You know, and like people, maybe they didn't want to have kids themselves, right? I feel like most of the time people ask judgmental questions or seem particularly judgmental. Well, this is a massive generalization. So maybe just delete this (laughs) from your mind. But it usually is coming from a place that has to do more with them than with you, right? Mm-hmm. Right? Like maybe they're going crazy with their own kids and they're like, how did she get off the How is she like yeah. out for brunch? You know, why didn't you have kids, right? So maybe it's, you know, regret or the feeling that other women have of being trapped. I don't know, but it never comes across the right way. And yeah. obviously not for everybody, but I do feel that maybe, you know, sort of on the inner lining of that jacket, you know, there's some of that. Yeah. And I remember when Halsey did an interview, she was saying how it was difficult when she like announced that she was pregnant. Cause I think she's like 25 or 26 and people are like, you're ruining your life by getting pregnant so young and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, can you just let her be happy? Her and her boyfriend made this decision to be parents. Like my mom had me when she was Wait, my mom was 28 and my dad was 24. It's just like, there is no perfect time. When you decide that you're ready to have kids, then great, go for it. And I just feel like everyone just needs to get out of other people's business and just let them make their own life choices, you know? It would be nice. It would be nice yeah. if people listened. I, uh, you know, I'll wave that flag with you as much as you want. That would be a, a nicer, kinder world in which to live. I agree. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I also loved your chapter on when you realized you were a boss. Like that was so mm-hmm. cool. And you were like, I've been doing all these things and your tiny reparations imprint, which I want to talk more about. Yeah. And you were like, and then one day I realized, you know what? I'm a boss. Like this yeah. is amazing and I can have fun. And then you have like 10 or so suggestions for other bosses. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about that. And also I want to hear about the imprint. Yeah. So, you know, being a boss and having employees is sort of, I think when everyone thinks, oh, I'm going to start my own business, you just sort of 
take a sort of the fairy tale version of it. And it's like, it's going to be so cool. And I'm going to have the signage and I'm going to have like my cute office desk and chair, like all that stuff is great. But then it's like, oh, business is like really intense and up and down and, you know, managing employees. And there's just a lot that goes into it. And I feel as though people aren't always prepared to hear like, like we're not told like the nitty gritty of what it takes to run a a company. And, you know, you can like do the research and listen to the podcast and talk to your friends, but until you're in that position, we just don't know. And I feel like for me, one of the biggest things about me becoming a boss, I feel like I've became more compassionate because I think you're just, you know, when I was an employee, it was just like, I'm just here at this place. I don't want to be here today or I want to be here today. And it's just sort of like my own like little world. But then when you run a company, it's sort of like you have to attend to like how your employees are feeling and all that kind of stuff. And it just makes you become more attuned to other people's energy and maybe course correcting how you're approaching them or how you you're structuring the day with them. So it really I've learned so much and it's been really exciting. It's also really hard, but I wouldn't want it any other way. And as for this imprint, Tiny Reparations Books, I met my lit agent at the end of 2014 because he had emailed me. I was on like some stand-up comedians in New York kind of list. That's like whatever. And he saw that and he read a part of my blog and he emailed me. He was like, you're probably already working on a book, but if you're not, I would love to work together. So we met up and we had a great time. And I told him about my first essay collection, You Can't Touch My Hair, the idea for it. And then he sort of says that I wasn't going to be like a one and done kind of author. So he asked me like what I wanted to do next, like down the road. And I was like, you know, Toni Morrison, I know she edited books while she wrote her own, but I was like, that feels like a lot of work. I don't want to do that. So I was like, I'll just have an imprint instead because I had no idea (laughs) what that meant. And that it's so much work. I just was like, I love books. I want to be around books. And so when maybe like January of 2020, I had an exploratory call with my publisher, Plume, about having an imprint. And so we talked about it. I was like, okay, this is something I could keep in the back of my mind. And then COVID happened and I was telling Robert, my lit agent, I was like, oh, we definitely don't need to do an imprint right now. Like the world is falling apart. And he was like, look how much you're reading. All you do is reading your free time. So you like, don't get depressed. He's like, so many people are turning to books right now to feel better about the world. And he was like, this is a great time for you to just like have an imprint and publish work that you like. And now we have, including my book, 11 books on the slate, which is exciting. And it's like literary fiction, some essay collections, some poetry, some nonfiction. So I really, I really am excited about this imprint and it's mostly female authors, which is really cool. And I'm so stoked about that. And I hope that people will like really relate to these stories and you know, see the humanity in these characters and in the poetry and everything. So I I just can't wait for people to to read the books that are coming out. Okay, we can't 
bubble wrap our kids to keep them safe. But we can give ourselves some peace of mind now with the Life 360 app, which I am obsessed with. I first heard about this from a girlfriend at a party who told me that this was the app to use. So I got it. And now I am obsessed. It's a family connection and safety app that lets you track the people and things that are most important to you. And it's much more than sharing location. It is about safety. It keeps families connected and protected throughout the day. Plus, it helps you find your things. So I have tiles, one of which I put on my phone, which I lose a hundred times a day, and I can find it through the app whenever I lose it. Also, it lets me put in locations of interest. So I get alerts when my kids reach school after taking the bus or when my husband gets to LA or whoever you want to track. You can do it with Life360 and feel very protected and safe and it makes life better. It makes peace of mind better. Life 360 has my family's back when they're on the road, and I can track their stuff too if I need to. Plus, of course, it's a lifeline during emergencies because you can have crash detection to know if one of the kids is in an accident and with two almost driver's license kids, that is super important to me too. So put away the bubble wrap and protect your loved ones with Life 360. Visit life360.com or download the app today and use code BOOKS, B-O-O-K-S, all caps, to get one month of the gold package for free, plus 15% off all tiles. That's life360.com, code BOOKS. So cool. When's your first one slated to hit the shelves? After my book, the first one will be What the Fireflies Knew, and that comes out February 1st. That's by Kai Harris. And it's a story of this preteen named KB. Her father passes away from drug use and her mom has her and her older sister. I think her sister's like 15, perhaps. She has them go stay with their grandfather for the summer. So it's really about this, you know, girl sort of like dealing with the loss of her father, but also like you know, want to do things that like young kids want to do, like making friends and sort of like dabbling in like dating and just it's a really beautiful coming of age story. And then in April, we have this is the other book I'll talk about. In April, we have Portrait of a Thief by Grace D. Lee. And I met, I was obsessed with the book when I read it, like the first page, I was like, we have to have this. But when I met her, she was like in medical school while she was writing this. Oh and I was gosh. like, I will never complain again about writing a book because you're like studying how to be a doctor and doing this. But it's basically it's five Chinese. They're like maybe college age, a little like mid 20s. And they go around the country, they go around America, stealing back Chinese artwork to bring it back to China. And it's a really cool heist book. And it has a lot to do with identity and family and sort of, you know, just kind of like trying to find your place in the world and figure out who you are and trying to honor your culture and, you know, sort of that kind of like fantasy of like, oh, if I couldn't get caught and I could, you know, do some kind of like heisty cool stuff, like what I do, this sort of thing. So it's really, it's really fun too. I love, love that book so much. Oh my gosh. Well, will you please make sure that your publicist sends me all your titles? Yes, for this of podcast and everything. And okay. Of course. I can make sure, you know, pick the ones that I love. And yeah, yeah I'm excited. That's so cool. Awesome. Well, stay on at the end because I have something I want 
we'll, we'll chit chat about that, you know, piece of it cool. <laughs> for like two <laughs> seconds. That's so cool. It's just awesome. And then you have like this whole funny thing about being with a British guy and relationships. <laughs> and like the thing that's so cool is your ability to sort of, you take life, right? And then you just... Mm-hmm put it down, but you find the humor in basically everything. Not like you have to be jaw-dropping funny, just like yeah. the the absurd, the humor, the like relatable stuff that happens in the everyday. And that's yeah. just such a great way to go through life. So whatever the therapy you were doing, <laughs> I don't know. I think it was working. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> when you were talking about self-care, by the way, I was thinking, you know, how bad a job most candles do at actually doing calming you down at all. So wouldn't it be funny if there was this candle set that was just like, this is not self-care at all. Yeah. You know, like eight candles in a row. I feel like I should, I should like brand those, you know. You should. That's great. This is not self-care. Get a book instead or something. I don't know. Something like that. Maybe. I don't know. Amazing. So you also have obviously this whole, you know, in front of the screen performance HBO, you know, shows to do. So how are you doing all that? You do the writing, you do everything else. Like how, how are they sort of working together in content? Yeah. It's so much. I know it's too (laughs) much. (laughs) You know, I started doing stand up 13 years ago. So that's really the root of everything. And you know, I was just going around the city doing, you know, bar shows or doing shows and I was getting paid like $15. And it's really, it's really, I think people don't understand when you're coming up as a stand-up comic. Like it's not glamorous. It's a lot of hustle. And so when I met Jessica Williams at the time, she was on the daily show and we just really hit it off. And we love stand-up comedy and we would just watch these late night shows and we'd be like, there's hardly any women on late night. There's hardly any people of color on late night doing stand-up or people in the queer community. We're like, we're in New York. This is like one of the best places to do stand-up. And there's so many talented people. You think of like Michelle Buteau, you think of Naomi Ekparrigan, John She was on Early. my podcast, Michelle Buteau. Yeah, yeah, yeah. love her. Fantastic. Anyway. And it was just kind of like, that's why we started Two Dope Queens because we're like, we know so many amazing people we've had like Bo and Yang on and everything and and people like we didn't expect for it to really resonate with people the way that it did we were just sort of like we just want to watch hilarious people be funny and then we'll do our thing and I remember we were getting you, you know dms on Facebook being like you know every time I've gone to like a stand-up show it was only just like dudes. So mm-hmm. I just didn't think that stand-up was for me. So I just stopped going to stand-up shows and, and watching. And it was really nice to see people feel encouraged and feel like, you know, I think our show, we we never wanted to punch down. We never wanted to like make anyone feel bad about themselves. And it was always very joyful and positive. And so I think that's a through line with everything. And now that I'm doing this solo stand-up special for HBO Max, which is very exciting. I just really wanted to continue that. So I write, I joke about, you know, my boyfriend, joke about my dad. I talk about, you know, time I hung out with Michelle Obama. And it's really just, I think, like a snapshot of my life. And it just, I kind of just try to have everything come from, like, my positive energy and sort of like how I want to see the world and then figure out whether it's just, should this be stand up? Should this be a book? Should this, but I want everything to sort of like work in harmony and be just really uplifting and funny. And you can have like smart stuff to say, but I don't want it to feel as though anyone's being reprimanded, but rather like 
just being really frank and honest and sort of sharing my truth. And that's kind of how I, I go about my work. Yeah. I love it. It's so great. So what advice would you have for aspiring authors? That is a great question. I really feel like it's so hard to break into publishing because you're just like, I don't, I don't know what to do. And so I would say whatever, whatever kind of thing you want to write, whether it's an essay collection or a fiction sort of first target kind of the imprints or publishers that publish a thing that you want to write. That's like key. And then I, you know, for a fiction, like if you're trying to sell a novel, you have to write the manuscript pretty much. But if you're doing an essay collection, have a, you, have to, you just have to have a strong proposal, which has like two sample essays. And I did that. I've done that for all three books. And people are like, you still write proposals? And I was like, yeah, it's your blueprint. It's like, mm-hmm. you don't want to sell a book. And then you start writing. You're like, oh, crap. I don't know how to get from point A to point Z. So just really make sure you have a super solid proposal and just really like, don't hold back. I think sometimes you can be like, oh, this might be too weird. Or I don't know if anyone's going to like feel this. And it's like, put down your most authentic self on the page because book writing is like a year long, year and a half long process. And you want to really stick with it. And you're only going to stick with it if you're writing stuff that you believe in. And then really make sure you connect yourself with a, a really good lit agent. I was grateful to have my agent find me after years of blogging, but you really want to have someone that's going to fight for you and really is going to believe in your work and is going to try and get the best deal for you and really help you feel supported. And so I think as long as you're like studying the craft, you represent yourself well, and you really believe in what you're doing and just write, write, write. Like that's the biggest thing. It's just constantly like work on your voice. And I think like what you mentioned about earlier about my voice in this book, like, you know, I started blogging, I want to say back in like 2012. And it was like, I don't know, 30 people reading it. And it was like, that was fine. Cause I was like, this is a time where I could sort of figure out what my voice is and get really strong as a writer. And so I would encourage people, I know it's hard cause you know, I did this while I had a day job and not everyone has the energy or the time to do that, but it really helped me to just do some writing on the side, whether it's going to be published or not, just so I could hone my voice and get into the habit of sort of having to routinely write because writing a book is so demanding and you want to be able to, it's be able to have the endurance to do it. Okay. Last question and I'll stop bothering you. You said how much you love to read, which obviously Mm -hmm. I do too. What are some books that you either read during quarantine, like you mentioned, or you're reading now or just something that stuck with you? This is a great question. I, keep my book reading list on my phone because I'm a full-on nerd. So during quarantine, I read Little Fires Everywhere, which I was so obsessed with. I was like, oh my God, this book is so good. So good. I really loved it. Let's see what else I read. Normal People I read. And like now I'm a major Sally Rooney fan. I'm like so obsessed with it. (laughs) The Secret Lives of Church Ladies I thought was fantastic. It was really, really good. And then this year, oh, this poetry collection by Jasmine Mann. Oh, I read that. Black Girl Call Home. Yeah, so, she was on my podcast too. She's awesome. Yeah. Oh, so good. And then I read Casey Wilson's book, The Wreckage of My Presence, which was mm. really, it's really funny. She talks, you know, obviously about her career in Hollywood. She talks about her mother passing away and how she's like been dealing with that. And it was really 
funny and moving and just like, uh, it's one of those where you read it, you're like, oh, I'm just feel like I'm hanging out with the friends. I, I really, really enjoyed that book. Last book, I'll say, uh, oh, it's so hard to choose the last book. <laughs> oh, I really love this book called Quiet by Susan Cain. Mm, Have you fun. read it before? Yeah, I am. Yeah, of course you have. But it's it's a, you read like everything. That's it's okay. such a <laughs> it's such a great book, and I really it really helped me actually with like running my business and sort of just we're all conditioned that like everyone should just be an extrovert. And then like you look at your team, you're like, oh, it's great to have a mix of extroverted people, introverted people, and like that will help make things great. And I realized I'm like an extroverted introvert. And so I was like, oh, sometimes you'd be like, why am I so weird? And it's like, you're not weird. You just being around a lot of people drain you. So you need to go home and like recharge your batteries. I am yeah. the same. I'm the same personality type. I'm totally yeah. happy to be alone forever. I love <laughs> being out and about, but not for that long. <laughs> the other day I was like out with my sister-in-law and a bunch of people. And I was like, okay, you know, are we ready to go? And she's like, what happens in that moment? <laughs> She's like, what? I don't get it. It always happens when you're at, you like have a switch and you need to leave. And I'm like, I don't know. I just like, that's what I can do. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yes, that was very, actually my kid's school made that required reading or something. Like that was- That's our, great. Yeah, yeah it was that's interesting. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on Mom's No Time to Read Books and for your fantastic collection. Please don't sit on my bed in your outside clothes. So. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 